0: Everyone, welcome to your latest Wolves fancast match preview. I'm your host, Little Dan, as always. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you're all having a nice international break on the back of that England drubbing of Scotland last night on on Channel Four. On tonight's show, I've got with me Jason Guy uh, at Wolves Premier at uh, Wolf Whistle Pod. I've got a new guest, Joe Feen, um, and uh, from the Anfield Wrap, the the man, the myth, the legend, Neil Atkinson. How
1: are you, Neil? Very well indeed. Uh, very looking forward to this tonight. It's good that the proper football's back. I'm amazed at putting football on Channel Four. It shows exactly how low esteem they hold the whole thing in the international <laughs> nonsense. So we're back now when the real stuff starts.
0: It is literally that. I've I've I've, I've been properly falling out of love with England international ever since that um, that four two defeat to Germany. I think when when Lampard hit the bar and it went over the line and we we never. Was it 4 yeah. 1 or 4 2? I, I literally fell out of love with England since then. There isn't really many players that I've got an affinity with anymore. But um, let's quickly talk about again, him, Neil. Boy, he was born, wasn't he? No, 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 come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. My mates don't call me Alan Pesha for nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Neil, Jude Bellingham, what a player. Just how gutted it was you that you, you couldn't get that one over the line this summer.
1: Quite gutted when it fell through in March, but in the end, I think Liverpool have vindicated. Um, and the reason why is because he was he's gone to Madrid on so much money, and it's such a big transfer fee. And in the end, we buy four midfielders for you know whose wages probably add up to his, uh, and whose transfer fee isn't that much more. Um, So I think from a Liverpool point of view, you know, we needed to do a bit of major surgery there and and we've been pragmatic. That said, you know, at any club, you'd want him at any club, any club on the planet, he's that good. And he's been that good so far for Real Madrid and he's also exploded a little bit. And I've got, I like a footballer who goes, who moves club and acts from minute one, like, yeah, this is where I'm meant to be. And that's what he's done at Madrid. So I've got, you know, nothing but respect for him. You know, I wish he was a Liverpool player, but he's not. Um, and we've got a, a host of really good midfielders now that we're moving forward with. So, you know, it's 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 exciting, uh, but it's obviously not having one of the most exciting talents in the whole planet. Exciting, although I do think uh, at Molyneux on Saturday, you're in for a bit of a, a Dominic Sabozlay introduction uh, because he is looking the absolute business.
0: He's got a technique which is impressive. We'll talk about the uh, wolves Liverpool fixture a bit more in depth. Neil and uh, Jace have actually been on the Wolves fancast a few times, but Joe's joined us as a, a new guest tonight, and we always ask uh, our new guests two simple questions. Who's your favourite footballer for Wolves who isn't Steve Ball? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, Neves for me. That was the one where, just as we were getting good, because when I was younger and we were drawing to crew at home, I remember it was my like, first game ever. Wasn't too much to write home about. I wanted to be Kenny Miller when I was about 10. But other than that,
0: yeah, Neves has been that player for me. Uh, always, yeah, uh, he's, he's still the king to, to many people. A, a player that sort of lasted longer than any of us ever even imagined. Jace, I'm not sure that question ever got asked for you, but who, who is your favourite Wolves player? Isn't Steve Ball? Because mine, Jason, is, is Robbie Dennison And no, he's maybe one of the characters in one of your title from the title yeah. books
3: Yeah, listen, Robbie was a great <coughs> Robbie was a great player. By the way, good, good old fashioned winger, um, and he played in my first ever game I watched for the Wolves in 1989. But the player for me, and, and it's interesting we've got Neil on the show tonight, is Diogo Jota because mm. I just think he, he he gave so much and he he offered something so much different and we still to this day have never replaced Diogo Jota. We tried to with Silva. Silva for me he, you know is nowhere near the player. Jota is and he's he's one, he was unplayable at times. And he after all, he's my favourite player to ever play for the Wolves.
0: So, as I just mentioned, you have got um, Tal from the Times Volume 2, um, which is out now for on pre-order, isn't it, Jason? if you want to
3: tell the viewers a bit more about it? That's right, yes. So, very quickly, uh, it's out in six weeks, just before Christmas. Um, I've interviewed players. It, it's in chronological order, so I've interviewed players Ted Farmer, Alan Hinton, going all the way back to the 60s and then the 70s, Jeff Palmer, Willie Carr, King John, John Richards, 194 goals for the club. And then we've already mentioned him, Steve Bull, interviewed Bully and Jackie Gallagher. I mean, there's 36 interviews of former players and coaches. Jackie Gallagher tells a great story about how he was injured with his with his calf and he couldn't get it right. So he went to the vets and the vets sorted it out, which is, um, you know, wouldn't happen today. You couldn't imagine Diogo Jota going to the vets. <laughs> and then we've got people like Dennis Conyde, who was a Wolves physio, because in the 80s, the decadent 80s, he heard um, an advert on the radio saying that Wolves needed a physio. And he went into the club. He was a season ticket holder. He went into the club for an interview and had to give his season tickets, he got the job. Then there's Greg Fellows, who was a coach under Tommy Doherty, who, once again, there's some just invaluable stories. When we look at the Molyneux now and we see this big, beautiful, steel structure and we're signing players, 30, 40 million. We forgot in the 1980s that that club was nearly no longer. The, the, the physio in particular, Dennis Cony, used to go around after the match and pick up the sock ties and wash them by hand because... We, we, we couldn't afford new sock ties. And it's stories like that. And the best story, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but a guy called John Teasdale, eight games for Wolves in the 80s, um, come down from Scotland. After he finished at the Wolves, played for all his, his, his career was drifting away and he ended up uh, going to America and played Sunday football. He got spotted by Rod Stewart, who managed a team called the Exiles. And John was that good. Rod said, look, <clears throat> I need you to come and play for my team, the Exiles, you know, and he said, look, Rod, I-, I can't play on the basis that if I did, I'd have to give up my job and it would mean move in. And so Rod Stewart actually said, well, you can be my chauffeur. Unbelievable stories. So this is a guy, at games for Wolves in 1980, ends up being Rod Stewart's chauffeur. So the stories like that, untold stories, which have never been told before. It's not just about football. It's, you know, Paul Stewart talks about the, the, the child abuse that he suffered. Jeff Thomas talks about the leukaemia. Alan Hinton talks about losing a child. So it's so much more than that. It's, it's, it's more about life as well. So if anyone wants to order it, talesfromthetape.co.uk, 25 quid including postage, supporting three great charities. Thank you.
0: Jace, obviously the, the first book was a success. I'm wishing the second book is um, even bigger success. What's
3: the sort of player that you'd like to get in chapter volume three, if there is one? Well, for that one, I mean, in in this one, we've got Jamie O'Hara as well. And I think we all like a bit of grime. We all like the the controversial players. You know, there's nothing better than a clean-cut Gary Lineker with no grime or stories to tell on him. But then when you've got a player like Jamie O'Hara and Stan Collymore, I mean, I interviewed Stan Collymore on the podcast and he told us all about the dogging. In fact, it was that good, ended up over Canning Chase that night myself. But, you know, in all seriousness... um, You say that like you're not a regular already, Jace. Come on, play the game. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, no comment. I mean, Stanley ended up. I mean, this is ridiculous. He ended up at, at Cannock Chase with his number plate, SVC1. I mean, you couldn't, you know, he couldn't be any more inconspicuous, you know, if he tried. Ridiculous, really. But yes, Stan Collymore's definitely one for the next one.
0: Neil, where does sort of Stan Collymore, what's the sort of general consensus on Stan Collymore during his time at Liverpool?
1: That he was involved in some great moments. And he had all the gifts, but he could just never make it happen. And I think a lot of that's down to the fact that, you know, it's a different time, it's a different era, and he had some personal difficulties. And some of those personal difficulties, if, you know, we've got to remember, were also inflicted on other people. Uh, let's be clear about that and stand himself and make no apology. Well, we'll make apologies for that now, and that he is, you know, he understands that that was uh, an unacceptable part of his journey. But he's, you know, everyone knew how good a footballer he was from day one. He scores on his debut at Anfield, a 25 yarder against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, it's an absolutely great goal, and you know he's involved in, for instance, the Newcastle four-three, a Liverpool team that probably was an attacking player shy of being able to challenge Manchester United, genuinely for the Premier League title, and that's not down to Stan or Robbie Fowler or Steve McManaman. They just needed one more mate alongside them, and they could have, you know, they could have, they could have done uh, a little bit more there when you compare them to the United team in the same period. Ferguson was putting four attackers on the pitch every game, and we were putting three on but stan was you know clearly an excellent footballer and and you know there's there's no getting away from that i i i think he's you know and it, it's this is a funny thing to say because he plays at the highest level of the game he scores a ton of goals he's loved at south end loved at forest uh, you know loved in other places including Wolverhampton who so got to see how good he was as well but he's he's ultimately he could have been absolutely incredible. Like he could have been acknowledged as one of the great, the great players in Europe, but he just couldn't quite settle. And I think that that's always going to be the sadness uh, around Stan Collymore that he never quite settles. He never quite gets his moments because he was he was that good. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced he was that good in terms of innate talent.
0: Um, Jace has already mentioned Diogo Jota um, had a bit of an injury uh, hit season last season. We all know the quality that he brings. Um, how, yeah. how, how do you think he started this season so far?
1: Started it brilliantly. Um, We're in such a lucky position at the minute. We've got five great forwards that we're picking from every single week. Jota, what we missed, the year before when we went for the quadruple, we fell off a bit of a cliff last year and there's a ton of reasons why, but one of the reasons why is that Diogo Jota is not available. A lot of pundits were saying Liverpool miss Mane and you're obviously going to miss a player of Mane's class and his character, but more than that, we miss Jota. In the year where we come really close to the quadruple, Jota scores an unbelievable number of opening goals in games or equalising goals in games or goals that put us one ahead in games, so 2-1 or something like that. He was coming up when we needed something over and over again. And last season, when we needed something, we were looking around and that player wasn't there. And it will be easy to say because he's easier on the eye, man. I think Jota's such an interesting footballer because he's all output and no flair. You know, he he makes it happen. And sometimes it looks almost a little bit, almost accidental or a little bit clumsy. He's quick, but he doesn't look quick. He's got a great touch, but the touch is really practical. You know, he doesn't do a no-look pass. He doesn't do any of that stuff that Roberto Firmino, for instance, used to do. He just plays a good ball. And so everyone's left a little bit like, oh, he's just played a good ball. None of it's, it's also no fuss from him. But around the penalty area, he's absolutely deadly. And we missed him last season when we didn't have him for a period. Um, and part of what happens well for us at the end of last at the very end of the season is Jota's back in the fold. He scores, for instance, the last minute winner in a three-all against Tottenham. It's three three. We've been 3 0 up. They've come back to three three. And the ball breaks to Diogo Jota. He surges forward and he puts it bottom corner. And that's exactly the sort of footballer he is. Yeah. He's the footballer who makes it happen. And, you know, I'm I'm He's gonna have a. I think he's gonna have. I think we're gonna have a good season. But I think he's gonna have a really good season with us. I think there's gonna be periods where he gets a runner games and he's very very involved. He's gonna be used from the bench like they all are, apart from Salah. I think um, it'll be Salah plus two most games, and I think that Joss has got a massive role to play for us both in the Premier League and also in Europe.
0: Definitely. If he could stay um in, injury free, is that type of oh, player no. that could easily score sort of eight in four or exactly or yeah. seven in three is that type of player isn't it, Joe How disappointed was you when, when Diago left, Joe? Well, when he left us, I remember
2: he had a spell on the bench. And I remember thinking when the when the money that was being rumoured, like 40s, 40 to 50, and I was thinking at the time I was I was thinking we'd take that because I thought Neto was gonna push on a lot more than he did, but then We saw Jota have a lot more chances at Liverpool. And when when you give the guy chances, he's going to score goals. And that's why he went on such a mad run for Liverpool and scored so many goals. So as soon as we saw him doing that there, we knew what type of player he could be and what he was for us. I think, especially when we went through long periods where we couldn't score, we really, really missed him. Yeah,
0: definitely. The the one goal that stands there, you mentioned Ruben Evers earlier, Joe, is that one goal from Jota against at home to Leicester when we won (laughs) 4-3. Just an absolute red arrow over the top, pass from Neves, chested down by Jota. And that's the sort of thing that we've been missing the last sort of two to three isn't it, Jace? That sort of just a ball yeah. over the top. Or a player like Jota who can actually <clears throat> ride two or three
3: challenges and, and get a shot away? I think that's what's interesting about Jota because he scores that many different types of goals. You know, he's a poacher. He can score goals in the box, as we saw um, in Europe in the home game against when he scored a hat-trick. Uh, remind yeah, me if that was against... yeah. I mean, he can score that many different types of goals and he can run at defenders, you know. And, and, and Neil's quite right. Sometimes he does look a bit clumsy. He rides as well. You know, His close ball control and his finishing is unbelievable. At the time, we'd signed him for about £11 million. So to send him £40 million to Liverpool is good business. You make no bones about it. But what isn't good business is when we don't replace him. Arguably, we replaced him with, with, with Fabio Silva and that hasn't worked out yet. But for me, Jota has been the biggest loss so far.
1: There's, I we we use some stats stuff in our in, in terms of what we do. So, Jota in his entire Liverpool career, you know, starts in 2020. His expected goals when we've been losing in games is 3.3. 3. His number of goals scored when we've been losing in games, and all of these goals would equalize us, by the way. It wasn't like getting a consolation in a 4 0, we were 4 0 down or something. 3.3. 3. His number of goals he scores is 6. That's a player who plays when he's under pressure. When we're drawing in yeah. games, his th- expected goals thirteen point four. His number of goals fifteen. These aren't penalties. <laughs> a lot of these are headers. A lot of these are moments yeah. Yeah. of nil nil, and you're struggling to break a team down. And suddenly there's Diogo Jota. We go in the League Cup to Arsenal. Uh, the keepers they keep nil nil in the first leg in the in the quadruple the season where we nearly win the quadruple, and um, we win the League Cup and the FA Cup. We go away from home. Jota gets two. We win two nil. You know, stuff like that over and over again with him. That's the sort of football that he is. And that, to me, is... That's the mark of a great player. You know, the, the, the players who, who perform for you when the heat is on are the, are the players who the one, are the ones that, you, you know, you want around when you're trying yeah. to win things.
3: Absolutely. This is what I can understand. Right at the end of, of Jota's tenure at Wolves, when supporters, some of them were getting on his back saying, oh, he was out of form. Listen... Form is temporary, as we know, and class is permanent, and he is a class player. And, and you know, testament to that is the fact that he went to Liverpool. who have got one of the greatest scouting networks in the world. So for him to pretty much not walk into the Liverpool team, but to fit into that Liverpool team, and we've got supporters going, oh, well, he was out of form. He's ridiculous because he's just a massive loss to us. Definitely, I totally agree. But I, I think
0: I was one of them ones that was saying he was out of form at the time, Jason. If you look back to that that severe game in the quarterfinal, Nuno decides to bring on Pedro Neto before him. It, it, it's still mind-boggling to me, like you said, because form is temporary. When you've got a player like Diago Jota on the bench, yeah. when you away to severe, being absolutely dominated in possession, and you're not bringing on Diago Jota, who can, like we
3: just said, carry the ball 30,
0: 40 yards on his own.
3: It was Absolutely. at the time ridiculous for me and um, as, as much he as you He link up so well as well with, with Raul Jimenez. When Raul Jimenez was at his that they, they, they worked so well together. And that's like Neil's just said about the headers he scores, Jota. He doesn't look an out-and-out centre-forward who's going to score headers, but he does. He makes himself busy. He's always moving. His positional play's excellent. Always finding space, bringing other players into play. Yeah, for me, <clears throat> he was a bit of an all-rounder really for me and, and he had everything in his game.
0: Yeah, well, let's get to talking about game week five in, in the Premier League. If you look at the fixtures there on the right, obviously Wolves kick off the weekend at home to Liverpool on TNT Sports at 12.30. The three o'clocks: Villa Palace, uh, Fulham, Luton, Man United, Brighton, uh, Spurs, Sheffield United and West Ham versus Man City with the Saturday evening kickoff, Newcastle versus Brentford. Um, Joe, look at those fixtures there, um, betting man like myself, who's your banker for this weekend? For me, I want to say
2: Spurs. I'm really, really Im- impressed by them already this season. I think they've kind of had that weird moment where they've lost their best player in this, in a similar ilk that we have. We've lost our best player, but there's times like against Man United, we looked excellent and I thought, well, this could really work. And for Spurs, it's it really is working. Even when they went 1-0 down to Burnley the other week, um, they came straight back and they looked so deadly going forward. It, I just think at home to Sheffield United, Who did look good in their last game as well? Cameron Archer was phenomenal in that game. But I think away to Spurs, I think it's going to be too much for them. I would say that would be the game. I think that that would be
0: my banker. Spurs are one of those teams for me that um, at the moment you bet on Spurs to win and both teams to score because I think they've got some really exciting attacking players, but I still think them a bit fragile at the back. Um, Neil, who's your banker for this weekend? And let's not leave it, let's not say Liverpool for a moment.
1: It best be (laughs) Arsenal. (laughs) <laughs> uh, maybe Crystal on that yeah. one. Maybe I, mean, Crystal I think Sean Dodge kicked
0: off Everton season last um, last season didn't he, with a result against Arsenal at home.
1: And and you know what the odd thing is it was the same day as you beat us 3-0 at Molyneux <laughs> Literally the same fixtures come out the same day it was the same day you beat us 3-0 and the reason why I know that is because I was on a I was on a weekend with my mates in Dublin and we uh, we all lashed in on Everton to win because we wanted Arsenal to win. And then Everton won, and one of the lads went, "You know what we should do? We should put half of this now on Wolves." And we all went, nah, we can't be doing that." And then you beat us to three nil. That'd
3: be the uh,
1: weekend paid for. Uh, no, genuinely, we would have the races the next day and everything. So yeah, I, that's why I remember Brilliant. it so keenly in there as well. Now I think, I th- listen, I think that at the minute Everton look the. It was interesting the game against you, where the the, the, the devoid of confidence, I think, and I think coming up against a really good side like Arsenal. I think it might be a little bit too much for them. I think Spurs is a really good shout as well because I think Sheffield United just look. I watched the Everton-Sheffield United game and and when Everton were taking you to pieces as they were to Sheffield United for a couple of extended periods in that game, you just think Tottenham will have too much for them. But I think Arsenal should also just have simply too much for Everton off the back of the 3-1 against Man United as well, which should have given everyone a big morale boost. I think there's probably a nice little double there for people who were looking for one. Um, I think the, the team who've oddly got the most pressure on them this weekend, if you look at it, I think I think you can make a bit of an argument around United, but I actually think the team with the most pressure on them is Fulham. They've got to be beating Luton at home. Um, yep. And they haven't started the season that well but in terms of performances, but they've got four points on the board. If you're a team like Fulham, you win that one against Luton. You're on seven points from five games. That looks healthy. It's worth saying. Uh, and it's something you can build on. But if you don't beat Luton at home, Saturday, three o'clock, everyone... Everyone's going to be looking at each other going, lads, this isn't going quite as well as last season. So I actually think Fulham have got the most pressure on them there. They've got to get the three points.
3: Where's your uh, money, Jace? With well, the banker for me, I mean, it's difficult to look past Arsenal and Spurs. You know, looking at Spurs, yes, I know they've lost Harry Kane, but we with Sun up front and, and Madison as well, Madison's a good player. You yeah. know, he's one I'd have loved to have seen at Wolves, obviously. He's way out of our reach. Um, but then Everton and Arsenal... See Everton for me are lacking confidence massively, and I think this is, um, I think this is going to be their year. You know where where <laughs> where they go down from Wolves' perspective. I can definitely see three worst clubs within us in this division. Yeah, it's going to be a long hard season for Wolves. Mate, no bounds about it, but the three worst clubs in my opinion are going to be obviously Luton, Sheffield United. They haven't spent much money, and they're going to struggle, and, and and Everton as well. I think it's their time. So the banker for me has got to be Arsenal, Newcastle as well. That could be a good and the R five kickoff. Um, against Brentford, you know Newcastle. A lot of pressure
1: on them, though. A lot of pressure yes. on Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Only one win from four so far. I think that's a that's. I could see that being a, not a nice place to play football at Brentford, frustrating oh. for an hour.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that was going to say with the, the pressure is yeah. all on Newcastle. Now the Wolves and Liverpool. One, it's interesting since the early kickoff. And what do we do in the early kickoff? We all lose our bets. So I reckon. <laughs> If I put 20 quid on Liverpool for the early kickoff, <laughs> I'm going to come away from the game after whatever happens. It makes the sense. I, I don't blame you in the slightest. Um, Bournemouth
0: versus Chelsea, another another sticky fixture for Chelsea. I've, I've tipped them to finish bottom half this season. I, I still feel they're not clicking as a team. I still think a lot of teams still see Chelsea as a scalp and will raise the game when they go to Stamford Bridge. Um, Neil mentioned it just my banker this weekend is Brighton away at Man United I know it might not be the greatest for odds but I think Brighton will tear Man United a new one this weekend I if Man think United are well. still fragile defensively and you've seen in the games recently they absolutely uh, obliterated us in, in periods of the game not all the game um, and then at home to Newcastle the weekend before the international break, they could have won that game another five or yep. six. Brighton, I think Brighton are really a team that's pushing for top four this season. I think it's Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Brighton. That's my uh, tip for for top you, four this season.
3: Well, I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt, Dan. You look at the game against Man United Wolves, where there are massive gaps in the midfield, and, and the, the amount of shots we had on got, we could have won that game and, and, and pretty convincingly, easily at one point. Yeah, now we had the. Dodgy ref decision at the end, but it was all. If we'd have took our chances, we'd have come away with the three points. Then when we played against Brighton, Brighton are a real force, and you know they looked a completely different team to Man United, much better. So I'm agreeing you on that one. I think the foundation since since, since
0: Graham Potter has been there, I think they had two seasons where they were sort of the kings of the, of the XG, but couldn't score for Toffee because they had Neil Morpoy up front, and now they've got two uh, two or three solid attacking players. Matama is one of the best wide men in, in European football for me at the moment. I don't think he'll be at Brighton much longer because I feel like the ability that he's got and the, and the marketing that he, that comes with him, I think he'll be joining a bigger club sooner rather than later. Evan Ferguson's literally one of those strikers at the moment who's, for me, he's, he's the next Harry Kane and the way he, he, he's built, the way he can strike a ball, he's, um, he's, he's going to be a talent, Evan Ferguson's is. But let's talk about Wolves Versus Liverpool in a a bit more depth this weekend. Um, What sort of Liverpool players are we expecting to have? Well, have got injury doubts, Neil?
1: The two injury doubts uh, that are proper injury doubts. So Van Dijk suspended. uh, Canate missed a couple of games before the international break. Didn't go away on international duty. And Trent Alexander-Arnold went off on 75 uh, the last game before the international break. Didn't go on international duty. Apart from that, you know, there's a few who are coming back. Thiago Alcantara should be back in full training. Setic should be back in full training and contention. Liverpool have got a pretty clean bill of health, certainly by our recent standards. Uh, everyone else is there or thereabouts. But the other thing to point out is that a few of these lads, I think Alexis McAllister's playing tonight, um, and then we'll be flying back. Diaz played this morning slash last night and flying back from South America. And Nunez uh, has played in South America and he'll be flying back as well. So I think that that's your. You know, that Klopp in the past, I think, is a bit reluctant to use the players who could still have a jet lag, could have a bit of fatigue about them. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if you don't see uh, at least one of them. Um, but all that said, you know, you've got on there what would be my preferred 11, which, which is obviously Canate and Trent Makey, Um And I want to see him start Nunez. I think, I think that we need to ride the, the Nunez wave a little bit here. He gets his brace at Newcastle. He's, he doesn't score against Villa, but he scares the life out of them all game. He scares the life out of them. Hits the post, gets the ricochet for for one, uh, hits the bar later on as well. Uh, should score later on, but I just like it went forward to getting on the end of things, and, and he does that all game. So my that's my preferred eleven. I just think that there's a I, I think it might be stretching it to think that all of Diaz. Nunez and Alexis McAllister play I think he probably starts McAllister and goes with Sir and Jones I think he, he'll he Pick between Diaz and Darwin and then Move one in and if Trent And Kanate are fit I think they'll both um, They'll both feature um, If he can get them on the pitch He'll get them on the pitch
0: I saw Jase uh, pull a face earlier when he mentioned when you mentioned you've got five world class strikers to to choose yeah. from at the moment. We haven't even talked about um, Cody Gagpo. and like I said, your, your preferred eleven there doesn't even have uh, Diogo Jotter in. Um, just an abundance of attacking players. Do you, do you, do you believe that sort yeah. of? Go on.
1: You know, I think that this is. Um, listen. This could all go badly wrong and we could lose at Molyneux. I think we've got four games coming up in the next international break that are sort of season-defined, and I think they're all as hard as each other. And I'm not just saying there's a bit of toffee on this. I think half-twelve, first game back after the international break is tough for us for some of the reasons I've just said, but also because I think Molyneux will be bang up for it, and I, I've long thought it's a difficult place to go um, in a number of ways. I love it as a ground, uh, and I think that it gets a good atmosphere even for a half-twelve, which a lot of grounds don't do. But also, I think that Wolves you know, need something and they'll be looking at this as a real opportunity. And they'll feel as though you can get at Liverpool. You know, There's a chance, I'm saying this, there's a chance that Liverpool are playing Kwanzaa at centre-half, Gomez at right-back and Joel um, You know, There's a chance that that's the team sheet that lands, at which point, if you're Wolves, if you're Gary O'Neill, you'd be saying, let's go at these. Also, O'Neill coached Bournemouth last season when they beat us 1-0. I'm frustrated, as like no one's business, so he knows a bit about what to do against Liverpool. He's not a dope, Gary O'Neill. Um, so I think that, that that's there as well. And that's a difficult game. Then we've got, uh, after that, we've got West Ham at home. And I think West Ham have started as well. Then after that, we've got Tottenham. And just a minute ago, we were all talking Tottenham up. And then after that, we we go to Tottenham. And then the week after that, we go to Brighton. And we've all just talked Brighton up as well, because we know that Brighton are a really, really good side. But all of that said, I think if we can get through these games unscathed with eight or ten points, not just don't lose... Um, And as I say, I think we could draw any of them. Um, I think we could lose any of them, but I think we could draw any of them. If we can get through them unscathed, then I think people are going to start saying, hang on, Liverpool have gone to Brighton, gone to Tottenham, gone to Molyneux, gone to Chelsea and gone to Newcastle. uh, And they're unbeaten and they've got 18 points or 20 points or something like that. And then they're going to start saying, and they've got five really good forwards and the best goalkeeper in the league. And you can have doubts about a couple of aspects of the pitch and whether or not we can be got at and all of that sort of stuff. But having that array of attack and talent, it takes you a long, long, long way. And I think that's why, you know, there's a chance I think that, we, you know, we're in for, I'm hopeful that we're in for an exciting season this season because of the array of attack and talent. The key thing to point out is, you know, if that game's nil nil or one one on 60 on Saturday, the Liverpool manager will be able to turn to his bench and bring two of Darwin Nunez, Lewis Diaz, Diogo Jota, or Cody Gakpo on. And that, that counts for something, you know, being, the, being able to bring them on and just change the game for fresh, mm-hmm. like, 60 or something. And certainly in the area where you've got five subs. So, you know, there's there's, there's lots to be excited about our side, but we're, we're still a vulnerable team. Um, we can still be got at. But the other thing I'd also point out is we're, we're now unbeaten in 15 league games, which is also going a little bit under the radar. Uh, the last team to beat us was actually Manchester City. No one's beaten us since City. Since then, we played Chelsea, we played Arsenal. Uh, we played Chelsea twice. We play. We've gone to Newcastle um, in there as well. And there's, you know, there's obviously a few other sides in that run where we played Tottenham. Um, this is some of this is last season. Don't get me wrong, but we're unbeaten in 15. So, and no one's really talking about us at this point. Certainly in the in the in in, in the papers or anything like that. So I'm 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 genuinely optimistic, and I, I feel as though if we can if we can just manage ourselves well on Saturday, we can get something. But I don't for a second think it's ever going to be easy.
0: I, for one, do not think it'll be another 3-0 on Saturday. If you, if you even look back at that game last season, um, Jace Walls won 3-0. Um, Darwin Nunez missed two big chances on the day. I thought, I thought 3-0 flattered us. But yeah. like Liverpool, they're not an invincible
3: team, are they? As, as good as that team looks on that screen. Absolutely not. I think every team's got their weaknesses. But, well, you know, Neil makes a great point, really. When you've got that sort of a rain, you know... Uh, talent of attack on the bench, you, you can change a game. Whereas if you look at Wolves, listen, we can't really call any of our strikers world-class. You know, we look at the forwards. Neto, on his day, can be a great player. But, you know, once again, he's injury-prone. I don't think we're going to get a full season out of him on You look at Huang. Huang, is he a 90-minute player? But he doesn't want to be known as an impact player, but he can come on and make a difference. Then you look at Colidi who's been out for a whole season, with a huge injury. You know, he'd only played 44 minutes before, obviously, this season. Um, and then you've got Fabio Silva, where he's just not getting the rub of the green. Listen, I really want Fabio Silva to score. When he went out on loan, yes, I know it wasn't the greatest, the standard, but you can only beat front here, and he seemed to do really well, and that's the, the benefit and the beauty of the loan system. So I hope, I think once he gets a goal or two, I think, you know, he will get that confidence. Liverpool certainly aren't unbeatable, but it is it is going to be such a tough game. I mean, you, know, you look at that side, but there is no easy games in the Premier League. There used to be games where you think, you know what, that's three points, that's six points, and it, it's now getting you know, increasingly more difficult as the seasons go by, especially with the amount of money that's being spent in the Premier League. It's going to be an interesting game um, on Saturday, but you look at a team like that and it, it's going to be a difficult to beat. I hope that maybe Belagade, Play some part in the game, or you know, um, I don't think the defender is going to get a game, or you know, it's, it's difficult to pull a defender out and put one in. Um, and uh, Enzo, I'd like to see Enzo because he looks a good attacking player. Now we've got Kalajic and Silva up front, two big lads. Getting crossed into the box, we might see the best of them too.
1: Just, just on on silver, he scores a great goal at Everton that's disallowed, and he doesn't know it's, He doesn't know he's offside when he scores it. Um, it's a really, really good finish, and I think Neto. Listen, I understand why there's concerns around his injury proneness, but ever since he got that really harshly disallowed goal at Anfield, and it was really harshly yeah. disallowed, um, he's I've I've kept my eye on him, and I think he looks he looks a looks a really exciting footballer if you can keep him fit. I think he looks like the the sort of footballer that can devastate a team. You know, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if one game this season, and it could be Saturday where, you know, Wolves are hosting a good side, a side that has got top-half aspirations, and Neto walks away with two with, with a brace and an assist mm-hmm. in a 3-1 in a or something because he's he's the sort of player who I think when he gets the bit between his teeth and finds space, I think he can really punish a team. Yeah. And
3: Kouny we'll is really me my... one we haven't really mentioned. Dan. I mean, Cunha against Man United was almost unplayable. The drive... The driving runs that he was doing sort of from, from deep was, was just in, incredible. And I think we're going to see a few goals out of him. You know, I had this conversation the other night. Is there a player in the Wolves team who can score 10 goals this season? Now, Neil might laugh at me because they've got seven players who could <laughs> score 10 goals this season. But I think I can't look any further than Cunha and Huang. You know, Cunha for me, is he, a real good player. I know he was, he, uh, Lopetegui was adamant that he, that he, he got... His hands on Cunha, and that's why we spent so much money. So, I certainly don't think we've seen the best of him yet, neither. Uh, for the audio with listeners out
0: there, I've gone for a 4 3 3. Obviously, Jose saw in goal, Somedo, Dawson, Kilman, eight Nori at the back. Eight Nori. I don't want to sort of jinx it, but he does tend to have uh reasonably good games. Um, one on one against Salah, um, yep. so we'll see how that fares. Uh, midfield three of uh, midfield two, um, Joe Gomez and Lamina. Of a sort of a, a, an attacking four of Cunha behind Fabio Silva, Pedro Neto on the on the left. And for me, the wild card and Saturday, Jean-Rickner Belgaard. Um, I'm not, not sure how much Andy Robertson will be aware of the of the Frenchman, Haitian, whatever he decides to, to go in the long term. Uh, a ball carrying midfielder, lots of pace can actually thread through balls. Um just looking at that line up there, Joe. Any suggestions you'd make to uh, what wolves change?
2: No, I think. Yeah, Belgaard, I'm hoping he's going to come in and, as you say, just thread some balls through. Because we scored two goals against Palace, but I don't think anyone at any point thought we were really potent going forward. I think Silva was trying to hold the ball up a couple of times. It just wasn't really happening for him. Neto was trying to work it with eight Nuri, as always, but wasn't really happening either. I think every time Gunny gets the ball when he drives through, that is usually our best bet at the minute. Against Man United, he was tearing them apart. He does lose the ball a couple of times, but I don't mind that. I want people to drive at people because last season we weren't really doing that. I just think as long as the defence kind of can stay as tight as possible, I think Liverpool's firepower is obviously the issue. We're looking at them having most of the ball and working it left and right and every player on their team can score a goal. Even Curtis Jones, I wouldn't be surprised if he went and scored a goal. But I'm hoping because watching England... Scotland the other night. Robertson didn't have the greatest game. If we are going to play Bellegarde, I want him to just drive at him, try and make him a bit nervous, kind of take the game to them as best we can.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Jase has already talked about the sort of the the nervousness in regards to Fabio will Willie or will he not make it in a Wolves shirt? Um, Sasa Kalajic is still sort of building up his minutes. I still like the the wildcard nature of Kalajic off the off the bench, late when you need to go a bit more. Gunko, is there any sort of option for you, Jace, that um, Cunha starts up front with someone else behind and Fabio drops to the bench? Fabio got two goals and two assists for the Portuguese under-21s. I know it was only yeah. against Belarus uh, yesterday, but you've still got to score in the games that you're playing, haven't you?
3: Absolutely. I've been a, a massive critic of, of Fabio Silva, I have. Um... And, and, and I think in the early days, it was the amount of money we spent on him. We've got to forget about the £35 million price tag now because he didn't choose it and, it, and it, and it and it's gone. I do think there's a player in there, but um he, he's got to come good pretty soon because we can't keep waiting. He can't be one for the future, you know. And you're right, he is doing it on, on the under-21 scene for Portugal. Um I just hope it does And I think it will snowball from there. I think if he gets a couple of goals or assists... I think it will snowball from there. So there's definitely a player there. Um, I personally wouldn't start him on um, on, on Saturday. Uh, I'd probably go for Cunha and Huang. Um, only because Huang seems to be in form for me. There seems to be a goal in him. And, and I'd probably play Cunha just a little bit deeper. And then we've got options from the bench. Not not like Liverpool. But once again, Kaleidic. You come on against, uh, was it Everton? And you know, he, 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 he straight away was in the box. He was causing havoc and got the goal. So yeah, it's, it's good to have these options in the bench. But equally, you know, these players want to be starting. Definitely, Huang um, did feature for
0: South Korea uh, versus Saudi Arabia at Newcastle's ground the other night. So he hasn't got the the jet lag that Neil's mentioned for a lot of their yeah. South American Saudi players. All coming
3: back. Play home games now, St James's Park. <laughs>
0: Is that real? I I, I doubt <laughs> if it's the last one, but that's that's the world that we're living in. Incredible! Now. Um, that's that's where we're going, isn't it? Um, Flipping! Good luck, to, good luck to I didn't Newcastle. Know that. It's, I, didn't know that. I say the, the cards have landed for them, uh, <laughs> Neil. What's your sort of score prediction for the game on Saturday? I know you, uh, you, you every time you come on the show, you always pull out. You always very. No, respectful I think we'll, our I think
1: club. I think we'll win the game. Uh, so just to be clear, I do think we'll win the game. I think it'll be tight because I am respectful of the wolves and I am respectful of the grounds uh, and the support. But also, I think there's always there's always three or four very very good players somewhere on the pitch. Uh, and I think it's also worth pointing out that. The goalkeeper's got the potential to be excellent. I think he's sort of dipped a little bit, but it, it doesn't take much to imagine that he pulls a game out uh, from nowhere. So, you know, I want to be clear. I don't think it'll be a cakewalk for Liverpool at all. If I was to if I was to go with a prediction, I'd probably go with Wolves one, Liverpool two. But in a universe where Liverpool have gone nil up, Wolves get one back, and it's hairy for Liverpool as, as we get into the last five or so. Uh, but we we just we just managed to stand firm, uh, and it feels. It feels like a big win for Liverpool. I think, you know, the one thing I would point out though is we didn't win a single half twelve home or away last season. Didn't win one. Oh
0: dear. That's like <laughs> uh how <laughs> bad
1: are back their
3: in bodies. Liverpool's
1: back in <laughs> So we didn't win one at all. Now in other seasons, he doesn't like it, the manager. He doesn't like it. Um and that sort of rubs off a little bit. But in other seasons where we've been good, we've won them. Uh, and we've gone on a tidy little run of them. So I think it is, I th- I'll say again, I really do think this is a big game for Liverpool. I really do think it's a big game for Liverpool at the weekend. Uh, I think if the, you know, if, if Liverpool win this, it's worth saying they're on 13 points from a possible 15. Uh, and, and we'll have played at that point only one home, sorry, only two home games in the league. We'll have played three away. Um, so, you know, I think that if we can get to that point, and I'll say the other thing that I keep saying is we'll have gone to Chelsea and we'll have gone to Newcastle. Uh, and so, I think if we can get if we can get this one at the weekend, I think it is a significant result for us. So I'm um, I'm I'm really keyed up for it, um, and I, I really think that we can get all, all, all. I do think we can get all three points. But as I say, I don't think for a second it'll be easy. Mm. And I, th- I think it wouldn't surprise me if it, if if it's still in the balance of the death.
0: I just want to op- offer some optimism for the Wolves fans on the basis of the first four games. Liverpool have had 64 shots. Wolves have had 62. Liverpool have had 18 shots on target. Wolves have had 17 shots on target. It is, it's not going to be um, an absolute ransacking from Liverpool on Saturday, when it theoretically could have been upset and jinxed us. But um, I, I, I feel like you've got to look at the, the league table, sort of come the end of October for Wolves. We've got another really tough run of fixtures, Liverpool, Luton, Man City, Um but I, I still believe on the first four games, what we've seen, apart from periods against Palace, I still think we've gave a lot more entertainment than we have done for the last two seasons. Like that, that Man United game and our Man United were a bit fragile in midfield. Could have won that game easily 3 or 4 nil. We had enough chance in the first half against Brighton. Fabio missed a one-on-one. Uh, I think Neto missed a, a good chance. Ryan norwood ballooned over inside the box. Mateus Nunes missed a big chance. Um Everton will obviously won that game and uh, on Saturday. God bless you for it. Say again.
1: And God bless you for it. Yeah,
0: that's it. We're, we're, anything for you, Neil. Uh, any um, any any away
1: team injury time winner at Goodison Park is the best goal in football.
0: <laughs> it was a yeah, it was an enjoyed one. Uh, especially the one at um on Boxing Day from Ryan Knight as well was another nice oh, one to spend last Christmas. What a belter, mm-hmm. what a
1: belter. Yeah. Joe, great, what's your great score days. Prediction? <laughs>
2: uh I'm slightly pessimistic i think liverpool are gonna win i think two or three nil i just i just think they're gonna get at us early i think they probably will score early and i think we all know our crowds can kind of turn a bit sour and then people start misplacing passes and i just think the, the class is just gonna be a bit too much this time i'm just hoping they can kind of if they can our best hope would be the first 20 minutes frustrate them a little bit not let them get many shots off, try and pass the ball, ball around them a bit. But no, I, I think Liverpool have too much firepower. And I think a lot of their issues, I don't think they're really glaring issues. I think for me, they're going to come at least third uh, this season. So I think they'll have too much for us.
0: Jace, now Virgil van Dijk. Um, Neil's mentioned possibly now Canate. Yeah. Um, he mentioned a player, was it Quanzo Neal? that I'm, I'm not even going to be. Yeah, he's, he, 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 was I, on,
1: he was on load of Bristol Rovers last season. Yeah,
0: I'm not even going to cast myself as a massive <laughs> football fan to even know that what type of ability he has. Obviously, you'd expect him to be a good um, defender if he's been on the Liverpool books, but there'll be some Kiana Hover um, people there who say otherwise. What's your score prediction on Saturday, Jace? I, I, really don't
3: like, um, I really don't like backing against Wolves or betting against Wolves, I should say. But, you know, I've, I've got to agree with Joe, really. I think it, it's going to be a really tough game. Um, bearing in mind, we've played four, we've won one and lost three. Against Palace, some of the defending was pretty unforgivable. And if we come out like that, we're in big trouble. Yes, we've got to get it at Liverpool, but they, they can very easily change the game. Um, I certainly can't see us scoring first. So for that reason... I'm going to go
0: for and I don't like to say this but I think Liverpool are going to win two now. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one on Saturday. Liverpool have the capability to um, to smash anyone. Wolves obviously a bit suspect defensively against Crystal Palace. Neil, thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for having us. I've got to run wrap. now
1: but thanks so much everyone and thanks for the comments as well. Take care, Neil. Cheers, Neil.
0: Yeah, like I say, it's going to be a tough one. Liverpool are now mugs. You don't win six European uh, championships, do you? If you're if you West Brom or Bussalarm, Creswell Wanderers, those sort of teams out there, you know what I mean? Um, it's going to be a tough one on Saturday. We've got an awful record on the early kickoffs, but thanks to everyone who's joined us tonight on the Wars Fancast uh, in association with Audi and the Boston Coffee. Jace, just give us one last plug of the book before we call
3: it a night. Yeah, so from my point of view, guys, I've got to say it's a bit of a labour of love for me. It took me six months to write. The first one sold 1,250 copies and raised over £20,000 for charity. Um, and, and, you know, everyone's generosity means so much. I had some lovely comments. This book, um, I'll go as far as saying it's, it's it's better than the first one. I love writing the first book. But the second one, there's some really great stories. So please, please consider buying it, guys. It'll be out before Christmas. So if you order now, you will get it before Christmas. Guaranteed, it'll make a lovely... You can even read it and then wrap it up for someone. How good's that? uk and any support for these three charities close to my heart is truly appreciated. And thank you, Dan, for getting me on the show. So watch these shows and you are doing a, you guys do a brilliant job. So keep up the great work as well.
0: Let's see. And obviously for the, the people who um, enjoy books and audio, you've got at Wolf Whistle Pod for a load of other audio shows from Wolves players, past and
3: present, and, and even sort of non-Wolves players as well. Yeah, did uh, Steve Walsh the other week, red rag to a ball and he, he talked all about his battles on the pitch with volley, But we've interviewed now, I think it's 109 former players and managers. So we've been quite fortunate really to, to get that content. But just like you guys, it doesn't come easy. It's hard work, but you know, it's worth it. Even if you get one like or one nice comment, it makes it all worthwhile.
0: Joe, I did say earlier on the show, we ask a few uh, questions to new people. Um, obviously, I know y- you and your dad um, for, for quite a few years now, uh, Greg, great all your dad is. What's your favourite away day in um, following Wolves? Uh,
2: I had a few good ones. Weirdly, last season, there was a couple of good ones in there, despite us not having the best season. I thought Everton away on Boxing Day last year. I think that's right up there for me because I live in Manchester and I had to get an Uber on... Basically, Boxing Day morning when my mate had just driven up. We were all rushing around. We were all getting there. We took our mate who'd never been to a game before. She came along and uh, obviously scoring in the last minute. I think you can't really beat that, especially that got us off the bottom of the table, kept us up, I think. Yeah, I think I'd go with that in most recent time.
0: And the the last soft question, this is all we ask. It's a, it's a fan cast ritual. Where do you keep your ketchup and chocolate, the cupboard or the fridge? I keep... In the fridge, yeah. I'll keep them in the fridge. I'm the same people who keep in the cupboard, you belong on a register, Jace. You've, you've, <laughs> been, you've, been, you've been following wars for longer than I was before I was in my dad's nutsack. Oh, um, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's, it's just the facts. What's one of your sort of favorite away days apart from your obvious playoff final wars in
3: Europe? Oh, yeah, uh, favorite away. One of one, one which I really, really enjoyed was um. Watford away when uh, we won and I think it was Jota scored wasn't it in the last minute with the ball over the top Neves and uh, we were thinking all again." yeah we, we, we'd been done in the semi-final haven't we and we was all hurting and a bit of grief from that and I think that game was just absolutely brilliant so I enjoyed it. I mean there's been some great away games I went to West Brom when Rob March scored in the 95th minute it was my first ever away game and it was just incredible so there's been some good ones but the, yeah the Watford one sticks out in my mind that's the only, I mean, I'm jealous of you for many,
0: many things, Jace, but seeing Wolves win at the Albion is, oh. is one of the things I'm most jealous of. Obviously, we haven't won there in many years. Um, the only, every time I've been to the Albion, we've either drawn or lost. That that playoff semi-final defeat still really, really, Oh, that's uh, that horrible. But to see <laughs> was... Wolves win at Albion, um, did you go to the
3: Ewan Roberts one, Jace? I, I certainly did. I was there. I mean, that was just an incredible day. And, you know, days like that, that's what we live for. Because, listen, last season was difficult for Wolves fans, you know, going up and down the country, spending big money and, and really being shortchanged for the money we was paying. And so days like that will stick out and you'll remember forever. And to be honest, sometimes these games only come two or three times a season, but you do remember them they're sticking your head and they make it all worthwhile because, listen, we're Wolves fans. It's a roller coaster. There is no way we're going to be like Liverpool and see 20, 30 good games this season because we're not. So, let's just enjoy the highs and ride the lows. That's it. At Wolf Whistle
0: Pod, at Wolves Premier, Joe's uh, on, on Twitter social media as well, aren't you? Joey's at Joey Fian is it?
2: It's. Uh, I got locked out of that one, and I'm. I think I'm gonna have to make a new one again because I'm locked out of this one. But at the <laughs> minute, it's at underscore Joe Thean. So
0: Joe jo- jo- has been um, trolling me and you and on one of his burner accounts. Jazz, that's, that's what it is. <laughs>
3: Elon Elon Musk's on him already. <laughs>
2: yeah, he, he needs to give me my accounts back. He's he's locked me out of two now and just changed both the emails. So uh,
3: he knew he was coming he on the show.
2: Me. He's
0: um he's, he's not a fan of the show, Elon. Um, but he's we'll, an we'll fan see. But we well, yeah, he's an Albion fan. Uh, thanks to everyone that's joined us as, as always on the Wolves Fancast. Follow us, drop a like before you leave. Hopefully you'll have a good weekend on the back of a Wolves resort on Saturday. We'll be back on Sunday to discuss the match. Thanks again to Jason and Joe joining me this evening. Good night. God bless.